Carolina Panther Nation. I am your illustrious Prowl Reports, the one, the only Panther Guru, joined by the amazing Carolina Dave. I appreciate that. What's going on, Panther Nation? Hope everybody's doing well. Awesome, Dave. Well, let's talk about that crazy game this past weekend against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Man, Dave, it looks like we called that game right on the nose yet again. Yeah, I was feeling a little bit bold with the score, but you you were more on the score line. But um, as we said on there, um, don't fall of trying to stop the the pass game because the, they'll gas you uh, handing off the ball as well, and that's exactly what they did. I mean, 192 yards for J- Jones. I mean, obviously everybody knows that 98-yard uh, play that he had for a touchdown that really just sucked the, the wind out of the Panthers. And then another thing, you know, Tom Brady's known for his preparation and one thing we specifically covered was Corn Elder in our last podcast, our preview podcast. So I'd encourage everybody to uh, listen to our game breakdown every, every Friday. But we talked about Corn Elder and how that we were really going to see if he was a, a slot corner f- for the future and going up against guys like Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin. And Tom Brady just went back to that matchup. He went back, he went back, he kept going to it. And if it's not broke, it don't fix it. No, absolutely. And it seems like Tom Brady was definitely killing Cornelder in particular, and they were targeting him specifically. Um, another cornerback from that game that didn't make it through the entire game was the one and only Dante Jackson. Um, Dante has been struggling with that toe injury, and it seems like it's continuing to be a lingering problem. So at the cornerback position, what do you see for the Panthers going forward? Yeah, unfortunately, they're going to uh, – if if Dante can't go, um, it looks like they're going to have a lot of Torpride Jr. And um, even more of this defense that um, a lot of the Panthers fans and media are not too high on where they have a three-man defensive front and try to drop everybody back and to prevent the big play. And unfortunately, that's not working. I mean, how many third and four evers are we going to see converted before Phil Snow changes up his defensive calling? But that's that's a whole other podcast. But, um, yeah, and with uh, the toe injury, you got to applaud Dante Jackson for trying to push through it week in and week out. I mean, his toughness is definitely there. He wants to be out there on the field trying to uh, win a game for the Panthers. But um, if he can't, if he can't make it through it, it's uh, maybe sit him for sure. Absolutely. And one player that you've been high on in the past is the none other than Rasul Douglas. You know, he was a guy that kind of got picked up, uh, quickly got acclimated to the system and has been playing pretty surprisingly well. Yeah. He, uh, he, one thing that I, that stood out for me was he, um, he took a lot of the blame uh, for this game. If you go back and you listen to his post game, or you see some some clips that uh, the sur- surface in the internet, um, he felt that when he stopped making plays, that the game out got out of control. And I know that kind of sounds cocky uh, if if you if you read it wrong, the word I just said. But what he was trying to say is he felt like he let the team down and. Uh, 
I think that, that says a lot about the guy. He's very angry about his performance, and um, it's just a great pickup, I think, because uh, as long as we keep him around, he's going to be a, a good locker room guy. And a, he's not necessarily a CB1, but he's I think he's definitely a starting cornerback for the Panthers moving forward. Absolutely. So let's talk about moving forward. Joe Brady. It seems like he's been on a lot of other teams' mind as potential head coach, and he's got a lot of potential head coaching opportunities. Do you see that Joe Brady will be back with the Panthers as the offensive coordinator next season? Um, I, I do. And uh, here lately, the last few weeks, uh, we've heard we've heard rumors, you know, that he he is on the the list of potential candidates for NFL jobs and you know college teams could take a run for him too you got South Carolina they just they just uh fired their head coach not even before the season was over so that's a big time SEC school um one good thing about Joe Brady is he is young and he could definitely um try to pick where he goes he doesn't necessarily need to go to the Jets or something like that. Like you take like a guy for um, like Eric Bieniemy. He's been around for a while. He's probably going to be a, a head coaching target. Uh, he probably needs to take, you know, one of the jobs this year. He he got passed up last year by several teams. I was I was very high on him too, but with Joe Brady's in a different kind of scenario. He's only thirty. Uh, if he took a job this early. And failed, it might damper his uh, how how the the league looks at him. So he doesn't need to necessarily go for the first thing. He needs to kind of, in my opinion, he needs to fill it out and find what he thinks is the right fit. So I think we'll have at least one more year of Joe Brady as the offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers. Absolutely, I think that Joe Brady is going to have a lot of good opportunities out there, and um, maybe. He does see what's out there, but he doesn't uh, necessarily grasp at any straws. However, somebody that has been seeming to be on their last leg a lot and has been probably known as the king of second acts at this point is none other than RGM, Marty Herney. A lot of people either love Marty Herney or they severely hate Marty Herney. What side of the fence are you on? Um, I'm not too big on Marty Herney or his meatballs. I think that uh, every, you, you know that story, right? The meatball story. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, a, it's a running <laughs> joke in um, in Charlotte, and most most diehard fans will get that. But uh, yeah, it's like you mentioned, this is his second time go around with the Panthers. Uh, he's been known for big contracts for guys that he's drafted. I mean, you look at Shaq Thompson, for example. He gave him a big contract. Uh, he's given he's given huge contracts to. Uh, players like D'Angelo Williams in the past, uh, just team, just just big contracts that that really really hurt the the team try, team's growth. And not only that, but in my opinion, he he's not that good at drafting. Um, Ian me had talked earlier offline about uh, the Eagles. Uh, we tried to bring in some of their personnel to try to fill that gap uh, for the future. So in Dave Tepper's mind, that might be something that he's ready to move on from Marty Herney. Uh, that happened, seems like forever ago because of how 2020 has been going. Um, but I would, I wouldn't say that go as far to say that Marty Herney will be 
completely gone from the franchise. I could see him being kept as maybe a college scout, um, even though I don't even think that's a good idea because I haven't seen him, in my opinion, make a a good pick out of the first round. He's usually very consistent with first-round picks, but as we all know, you need more than first-round picks to win win in the NFL. And some people say, well, look at this year's class. Look how good Marty Herney did with this year." with this year's draft class. Me personally, I don't think it's a coincidence that this was Matt Rule's first year in the NFL as our coach, and our this is the first year we've had a really good draft class, in my opinion, right off the bat. I think that David Tepper gave uh, Matt Rule the, the reins when it comes to the draft this year. I'm going to have to disagree with you, Carolina, Dave. I would say that Marty Herney is not only – an excellent drafter, maybe with the exception of this year. I'll give that to Matt Rule instead. But I'm going to say that over the years, Marty Herney is probably one of the best drafting GMs of all time. I'm going to really throw him into that top five category because back in 2002, he drafted Julius Peppers with a second overall pick. He drafted Jordan Gross in 2003. 2004, he drafted Chris Gamble. 2005, he drafted Thomas Davis. 2006, he drafted D'Angelo Williams. 2007, he drafted John Beeson. All of those guys are studs so far. 2008, Jonathan Stewart. Eh, Jeff Ota. Mm, didn't really pan out. 2009 was forgettable. He didn't have a first-round pick. We went ahead and drafted Everett Brown. We saw how that worked out. 2010, the entire draft was forgettable. 2011, he drafted Cam Newton. 2012, he followed that up with Luke Kuechly. 2018, when he was brought back, he drafted DJ Moore and Dante Jackson. Well, Dante Jackson was a second-round pick, but he drafted DJ Moore the first-round pick. So I don't know. I mean, his worst pick technically was Jimmy Clausen in 2010, but his best pick was Julius Peppers in 2012. And those first-rounders that he drafted, those are pretty, really cornerstone franchise guys for the Carolina Panthers. Oh, he's – I'm not going to argue with you that he hits it out of the park with first-round picks. But there's six other rounds where you've got to hit on if you're going to win a Super Bowl. And and you're he hardly right. ever hits yeah. on anything out of the first round. That's the only reason that and his, his contracts, the way he does contracts, which I know we brought in somebody to take over that portion, so that might help him. But – all the all the second through seventh round picks. Well, I mean, really second through fourth or fifth rounds. Those guys you really need to contribute. Sixth, seventh round guys. I understand you probably don't get much out of those guys. Maybe second or special teams or practice squad. But second, third round picks. You got to have those. Those guys got to blossom into starters. And he continue he continuously whiffs on those rounds. And you see Matt Rule came in our first three picks this year are all playing and all playing very well. Yes, Gross Matos has had some injuries, but he's he's definitely picked up picked it up real quick. That's why I say Matt Rule was the guy that did the draft this year because if, if Marty Herney would have had full control of the draft, I don't think he would have took those guys. No, absolutely. I think you're right. Um, that's where I will concede and say that you're right. The later round guys, Marty Herney has been hit or miss – 
with those guys. So it looks like we should just have Marty Herney draft our first rounders and then just tell him to get yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, he, I, he, a college scout would be his cup of tea, I believe, because like you said, you, the Pro Bowl, the the Hall of Famers that he's drafted, Julius Peppers, Luke Keekley. I mean, those guys are just absolute freaks, and he's done he's done great. He picked he picked Brian Burns. That's looking great for us. We'll see what Derek Brown has to mm-hmm. uh, has in store. Cam Newton was awesome for us. Failed MVP. So yeah, his first round. I would never say that he doesn't know what he's doing when it comes to first round because his record in the first round is pretty much uncomparable to a lot, of, especially in the NFC South to a lot of the uh, NFC South uh, GMs. So I don't necessarily think he should be a GM for sure. Uh, maybe on the scouting team, that's more his style. So we'll see We'll see what the future holds at GM for the Carolina Panthers. But I would think that Dave Tepper would move on from him. I know he does. it does seem like he does like Marty Herney. So we'll see if feelings come into play for that. But it's something to be uh, – looking at this offseason because his contract does expire after the draft. All right. Well, you know, it's another week, which means we have a brand new game to introduce to you guys here on the Prowl Report, and it's called Hit the Road. Stay home. So in this game, we'll choose different position groups, and we'll either choose to hit the road or we'll be staying with them and keeping them home. Let's start off with the quarterback position. Teddy Bridgewater, Will Greer, P.J. Walker. Does that need a shakeup? Um, I know def- definitely one of the, as we get further and further into the season, we keep losing uh, most fans and a lot of people in the media. Also, they like the the first thing that the first position that gets blamed, no matter what happens. It could be a 38-35 shootout. It's always the quarterback because it is the most important position in sports. But uh, I'm, I would say that Teddy Bridgewater needs to stay home uh, and, and Will Greer for that matter because um, a lot of a lot of media said that Will Greer was one of the best uh, performers in all of training camp. So that's something to look, look to. And, and he was a third-round pick, so – like I said, I mean, I, he's not necessarily going to be a starter, but if if Teddy does go down with this uh, sprain, M- MCL sprain that he's got, and he's going to miss a couple games, I would look for Will Greer to play because we have seen just a small sample size of P.J. Walker, and it hasn't been uh, as much as we thought it would be given his reputation in the XFL. I know that the XFL is a whole different ball game, but uh, with Teddy um, – the only reason he's hurt is because of the the O line. Um, most of his problems have been because of the O line, in my opinion. Our O line has significantly declined over over time. We got a lot of issues there, but I think Teddy Bridgewater he might not be the quarterback of our future. That's a whole different that's a whole different uh, conversation. But the next this year or. The next two years, I think he he's definitely the quarterback for the Carolina Panthers, given the NFL draft coming up and all our position needs that we have. Um, I've said it, I've said it before on this podcast, and I'll say it again: the only way you draft a quarterback this year is if Trevor Lawrence falls in your lap. 
So what do you think? I absolutely think that we have to stay put for right now. I think that, you know, there's other needs that we definitely need to address. The linebacking core, um, a shutdown corner would be really nice. And then definitely get some help on that old line. If we can get some really nice hog mollies, you know, take it back to Dave Gettleman days. Um, and also some Ron Rivera days as well. Get some good hog mollies on that line and see how we can do about, you know, protecting the quarterback and also having a stellar line for once that we can be proud of um, in Carolina that was as good as our Super Bowl run. Yeah, it's been a long time, just a, a little off topic, but it's been a long time since we've had a really good offensive line. Absolutely. Well, let's take a look at the offensive line. And, of course, we've got two players that are really in a contract year, Russell Okung and also our right tackle, Taylor Moten. What happens at the tackle position? Are we hitting the road or are we staying at home? I would stay at home with both those guys if possible. The only reason I say if possible is because we don't know what the Panthers' plan is with the, with the salary cap. Do they have other uh, ideas already? I mean, I know you got to be looking forward uh, with 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 you sitting there with three wins. You already got to start looking forward to uh, the draft, to off season, to free agency. But with Taylor Moten, I mean, every week that we don't re-sign him, he he has more film put on to to drive that that price up. And uh, I'd love to have Russell Okung back. Obviously, his injuries are um, stacking up on him. He He's missed more games than he's played, it seems like, this year. And uh, I think he may end up retiring. We'll see. But if anything, it'd be another year for uh, the Greg Little and Dennis Daly to learn underneath him. And left tackle is the hardest position on offensive line. So for the young guys like Dennis Daly and Greg Little, we need to give them some time. Unfortunately, this is a win-now league, so we'll see what happens at left tackle, but Taylor Moten, you can control that. You can you can lock him down before the end of the season. Absolutely. Now let's go ahead and switch over to the linebacking position. Tahira Whitehead has been probably one of the worst Panther signings of all time. What happens at the linebacking position? Are we going to stay home or are we definitely looking to hit the road and go on tour figure out something at that position. Yeah, I mean, to hear Whitehead, uh, he's definitely going to hit the road, and he, he might actually get thrown out if some Panther fans get uh, get their choice. They'll, they'll throw him to the road instead of – and make sure he definitely hits the road for sure. Um, but Jeremy Chen, and if he's going to if he's gonna end up playing linebacker, we'll see. We, we You and me have talked about this before. Is he going to play linebacker? Is he going to play safety? Or can he play this hybrid position where he plays, depending on what the package is, both? Um, we'll see. Uh, Shaq Thompson, he probably played the best game of this season against the Bucks, And I know that's sad to say because we lost about 23. But um, And he's starting to take a leadership role. He, They said that, um, that it was a scary scene in the locker room after he went in there and chewed everybody out for uh, the, the play and how it was unacceptable to play the defense. So we'll see. If, uh, if we can light a fire underneath the defense, um, I'm glad he did that when he did it. He, um, this, the first several games, he hasn't been playing too well. 
So to go into a locker room and say, you guys got to be playing better, this is unacceptable. When you're not playing your best football, is that's just a bad leadership role. So um, it looks like he's trying to lead by example. I know we can still get some more from him. Definitely next year when that contract kicks in, we'll need we'll need a lot more from him. But the middle line back in position is something that needs to be addressed in free agency and or uh, the draft. And by addressing it in free agency, I do not mean by re-signing to hear why it. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> that's, that's very interesting. All right, so let's take a look at the safety position. Um, let's look at the safety position as a whole rather than two different positions. What do you think about the safety position? Is it time to hit the road or are we going to um, stay at home? For the most part, we'll stay at home. Uh, I know that secondary, we or everybody probably be like, what the heck? Our secondary is horrible. Why would we stay at home? Uh, just, just follow me for a second. Um, Justin Burris seems like a good signing. I know we haven't really seen that much of him with, with him being out on our, um, and he had that, a lot of people remember him where he, that, that fumble recovery that he, that he missed. But then at that same, the same time he had the game winning interception in this, in the exact same game. But then we got two other young guys, uh, Kenny Robinson. Um, there's a lot of, lot of hope for him it doesn't seem like it's clicking for him in practice because he hasn't really seen the field uh I don't even know if he's seen the field at all he might have just out of attrition I can't remember I know Sam Franklin undrafted free agent seen a lot of the field because of Justin's Burris uh Justin Burris's absence but the main guy I think that should that we should part ways with and tell him to hit the road is Trey Boston and you me Trey yeah, Boston. Trey Boston. I'm ready for him to uh, go ahead and get out of here. I mean, he hasn't he hasn't done much to impress me this year. And if you go back to last year, he wasn't that that impressive. And I know you. We've talked about this too. The Trey Boston that we thought as Panther fans we were getting was the Trey Boston from the Cardinals and the Chargers, where he was. It seemed like every week he had an interception. Remember, you said one season he had eight interceptions for the Chargers. Yeah, yeah career I think Absolutely. three seasons in a row he had um, at, at least five interceptions, and I don't think he's had five interceptions the last two years combined. So um, I, the way he tackles, too, he tries to tackle people in the legs. You can't get that done in the NFL. I know, and I think the reason he might have changed it up, do you remember uh, he got a lot of uh, uh, penalties last year for hits to a defensive player where he would lead with his shoulder? and. And I think he might have yeah. changed that up because he it's hard for these guys that's been playing football for a long time because you've always led with your shoulder. And just the rule change has not, has not been great for guys like that. And remember, Eric Reed was bad about that um, when he came back off to play with the Panthers. He, he was getting – he was getting hit with that penalty a bunch. But so those, these guys that have been playing for so long were that you got taught to lead with your shoulder. It's just, you can't break habit. So it sounds like he's just abandoned trying to lead with the shoulder or try to wrap up around the chest area and just go for the, the legs. And it's just not working. I mean, he's him and Dante Jackson are just obsolete at tackling. It seems like what's your thoughts I'm actually sh- shocked that you're saying that you want Trey Boston to go. But 
at the same time, I mean, I'm not really surprised. The safety position has been atrocious. I was always a big fan of Charles Godfrey for some reason. He was always one of my favorite safeties for the Panthers, um, along with Mike Minter. Um, however, those days are long gone. So I'm really shocked uh, that you want Trey Boston gone. But at the same time, Justin Burris has definitely stepped up. And it'd be interesting to see if the Panthers will try and either target somebody in the free agency or maybe even in the draft. Yeah, we got we got some cap room, and I think Trey Boston uh, has a really good contract for not not for not team friendly, but we're paying him a pretty good amount of money. So I don't know it, and it'll depend on if we if we in, if we take on a lot of dead money. I probably should have looked that up, but uh, if if we take has to take on a lot of dead money, then don't be surprised if if he's still on the roster. But I just don't see. I mean, he talked. I've watched a lot of interviews with him and stuff, and he talks. He's very, he's very, um, very good, well-spoken uh, player when it comes to trying to be a, a good leader and everything like that. But you gotta, you gotta, it's gotta translate to the field, and then for me, it just hasn't. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and move on to another topic. But thank you for playing, Dave. And also, let's also move on to another topic still concerning the roster. Who do you think is the most underrated player on this roster that really has not got their shine or really got the national recognition that they deserve for balling out? Yeah, we um, we got a lot of guys that aren't getting a lot of national recognition. I mean, it's hard to uh, it's hard to get national recognition. I guess when you're three, when you when you've only won three games, when when we were three and two is a different story, but now that we haven't won a, a game since we went on that three game winning streak, it's a lot of people hasn't haven't been giving us uh, any kind of recognition. But one player we mentioned earlier is who I want to talk about is a uh, Rasul Douglas. I mean, just getting signed pretty much at the last minute and uh, just having minimum practice snaps and having to go play the the, the Raiders week one and play a hundred percent of the snaps. Um, was huge, and also with him, he had, he talked to Matt Rule and said that they needed to have a meeting where they just got to know each other because hardly anybody on the roster knew each other, and it would it would behoove them to get together and know each other when they were supposed to go out and try to win a game together when they don't even know anything about each other, and then also him being a vocal leader for. This last week, if you go back and look at his press conferences and his uh, interviews, uh, he really took that Tampa Bay loss and tried to put it all on his shoulders, saying that, um, like I mentioned earlier, that his his lack of um, making plays really did damage to the defense. So, uh, I, I mean, I appreciate that he he's trying to take his his uh, portion of the responsibility for the the bad loss that we took last Sunday. But would you agree that Russell Douglas, or would you go in another direction? Um, I would actually say that another player would have my eye, even though injuries have kind of hampered them. This player has really been balling out every chance that he gets. And I think that he's going to be a really interesting player for the Carolina Panthers going forward. And I think can even make a pro bowl or two. And this player is none other than Uter Gross Matos. 
the line, uh, excuse me, the defensive end out of Penn State. Yeah, he's definitely – that first game, I've said it before, I said it on this podcast actually, that 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 first game he looked lost, but he – He's came out of he's came out of nowhere. I mean, he the Panthers did a good job on snagging him. A lot of people had a first round grade on him, so uh, when he fell to the second round, they were more than happy to scoop him up. And I'm with you. I think him and Brian Burns could be a a deadly duo for the Panthers. Could be like a Charles Johnson, Greg Hardy type. When we had that awesome defense in 2015, we just need to put the pieces around them if we can get one more defensive tackle that front four will be amazing you take if we if we get a defensive tackle in this in the draft this year that can start you'll have all you have four defensive uh line starters on their rookie contracts that are just hungry and out there to prove a point but yeah gross matos is if he if he can step up like i think you're envisioning him doing for the rest of the season We'll go into the offseason thinking we've got two awesome defensive ends. Absolutely. All right. Well, Dave, this has been a pleasure speaking with you on this wonderful episode of the Prow Report. Also, make sure that you guys follow us at the Prow Report on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and look out for the live stream of the games that we'll be starting to live stream. Um, coming soon. <clears throat> also, make sure you follow me at PantherGuru1 to engage with me personally. And Dave, yes, your Twitter Carolina well. Dave NC on Twitter. And I actually had somebody uh, send a send a message to me right before we uh, we started this podcast that they wanted us to cover because, as we we've said before, if you guys send us uh, your topics or you want to be featured on the Prowl Report podcast, we'll definitely get you in there. But I um. I had a guy reply. He tagged me in a in a tweet, and he sent me a, a DM. Um, and he asked because a lot of people are are tweeting out about Trevor Lawrence, and it was a very interesting tweet. They said that if the Panthers end up in the top five uh, or even top seven, top ten in the NFL draft, what would we be willing to give up to to go up to number one and draft Trevor Lawrence? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that is an excellent question. And to the person that posed that question, thank you. And just like Dave said, please send us questions because that was a great question. And we'd love to cover all of your questions here on the Prow Report. Man, I don't know. I- I'm thinking, look, K1 Short makes for interesting trade bait. So if we could swap maybe our first-round pick and even a bundled pick with K1 Short, we can offload his contract. Get our franchise guy, and give up the same pick that okay, we were going to use anyway. Well, say if we're drafting five, the this year's first round pick, K one short, and maybe next year's first round pick. Yeah, that's a but lot. You got to think of how much free agency Man. money we're going to have in the next two years too. So if there was ever a time to to go after and make something bold, it would it it would be. Uh, it would be then. I would. I think that you'd have to give up at least three first round draft picks to to get him. Now I'm not. I'm not saying that if you threw K1 short and they wanted that, uh, the Jets obviously that we would assume it would be the Jets that um they wouldn't bite on that. But if they if they shot down just for the sake of the argument, they shot down your 
your package, which is a great one because when they don't have K1 Short would, would provide them much needed leadership on the defensive end. That organization um, is very unstable, and he would provide some stability. So I like that. I like that um, that option for them. But I would think that you might have to give up your next three uh, number one draft picks because, I mean, this guy. There's nobody you can compare him to coming out of college since Andrew Luck. Everybody was so sure of Andrew Luck, and if injuries wouldn't have hurt Andrew Luck, I think uh, the sky would have been the limit for him, and it's the same thing with Trevor Lawrence. So, like you said, it was a great question. We take all the questions, but, I mean, that's a that was a great question to ask. If we're, if we're in, the, in the possibility of trading up to that number one overall draft pick, what will we give up? I'd be willing to give up three number one draft picks only because of the salary cap that we have the next two seasons we could definitely build around him i mean you're giving you definitely can't draft uh your use your number one picks if you give them up so you'd have to really hone in on free agency man dave that's very bold i'm gonna have to say i kind of agree with you because the pandas are going to be flooded with cap room and there's some really really big names even in this free agency guys like von miller that are going to be available that you can get and really kind of like not have to worry about the first round and then try to stack up your second round, third round, fourth round picks and try to get some value out of those. But like you said, to get a guy like Trevor Lawrence where he's going to be as good as Andrew Luck, man, you almost can't uh, pass on that opportunity. I'd like to be in that room if if that phone call came in from the Jets saying, hey, we're looking to trade back. What What are you willing to give us? Um, and we, this is something else, like if if we do get Trevor Lawrence, I mean, obviously we, you would think that that uh, they might have the same type uh, method to the draft this year, going defensive heavy. Um, you and me had talked about this before. That's fine, and you can get good players to the defense, but you're going to have those rookie mistakes and those growing pains. And you'd mentioned that there's a lot of good free agents. Try to get some veteran leadership coming – coming through the free agency instead of just trying to draft maybe potentially four, five, six more rookies that to fill those voids on defense. Absolutely. Wow. And definitely keep, keep your, uh, your questions coming guys. We'd love to answer all of your topics and, you know, we invite you guys to actually get on the show too. And maybe you can even, have your question answered live and you can ask your question. Yeah, live. that'd be, that'd, that'd be, be great. Awesome. We definitely appreciate the, the questions that we've been asked so far. And, uh, as, as we've mentioned before, look for us, uh, Friday night, um, we'll be doing a preview show every Friday for the rest of the season. You'll get, which is a good time to do it. You'll get the full injury report. Uh, we got a lot. It seems like it's going to be on there with Teddy Bridgewater, Dante Jackson, and Christian McCaffrey. We'll have all those answers for you. And uh, that way you'll know what fantasy players to use for the Carolina Panthers. No, absolutely. And that's one of the most important things I think people should stick around for is definitely the injury report because that's when you're going to be able to – that's when you're going to be able to really get a good synopsis of who's in and who's out, and it's going to help your fantasy team yeah. too, so you don't want and, to miss uh, that. We've, we discussed this also uh, 
hopefully if uh, 2021 goes well and um, we get the pandemic under control, we'll be, we'll be looking to meet some people at a training camp. And also one thing I would like to do moving forward for next football season is a proud, proud report fantasy football league. Oh, that would be awesome. We definitely have to do that. Definitely. I'm looking forward to that one. I'm a big fan of fantasy football. You know, COVID kind of made things hard for me, that and a couple of other things outside of the podcast and career-wise kind of slowed me down. But I can't wait to get to some fantasy yeah, football be, next season. We'll be looking for people to, to join the league. And we'll um, once, once um, like we said, if, if we get to 10 training camp next year, we'll be – trying to have some events for that and it'd be really interesting to see where training camp's going to be uh you know they've usually been doing it down in spartanburg south carolina uh, i'm sure david tepper has new visions for the team so we'll see if it's going to be actually at the stadium or actually on the facility in charlotte or if they're going to have the new rock hill uh facility open we'll see what it's like but deciding times for the carolina panthers and the fan base for sure Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for being great listeners here on the podcast and wonderful fans for the Carolina Panthers. We will see you guys on Friday. Make sure that you're here for our matchup preview. We can't wait. We're excited. I know that you guys will be excited too. Stay tuned and keep pounding.